I invite you to open up to 1 John chapter 4, the passage that was read for us by Maria. That's if you're using the Bibles in the seats, that should be on page 863 in most of those Bibles. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 to 12. And I want to start with an image this morning, if we can stick it up on the screen. Um, this is the incredible, striking Raijung Hotel in North Korea. This skyscraper is 105 stories tall, and it was the tallest hotel in the world at the time it was built. It cost over $750 million to build. That's three quarters of a billion dollars. It boasts 3,000 rooms, seven revolving restaurants, casinos, nightclubs, lounges, and as you can see, it cuts a striking profile against the, the cityscape that it dominates. It has it all. There's only one problem. It's empty. Started way back in 1987, to this day, it has never opened. Inside, it's a cavernous monstrosity of bare concrete and tangles of electrical wires. And I think it's a great image of what today's passage is about. An absolute wonder, which is in danger of falling tragically short of all that it's meant to be. In today's passage, that wonder is God's love. And it, it falls tragically short when we fail to love one another. Verse 12 of our passage. If we love one another... God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. That, that word, translated made complete, has the idea of bringing something to its intended end, bringing it to its destiny, bringing it to its fulfillment. God's love is made complete in us. And so if we fail to love one another, God's incredible, wondrous love is not made complete. It falls tragically short. Let's take a look at our passage. And in this passage, we're going to learn three things about God's love. First, that God is love. God's essence, the epitome of who God is, is love. Second, that God loves us and has expressed that love to us above all in Jesus Christ. And third, that the wonder of God's love is not complete. It falls tragically short if those whom God has loved do not love one another. What amazing, wondrous truths to get to ponder together this morning. They're so basic, right? For some of you, there's probably nothing new here. But how easily we forget what's most basic and most important. Let's begin with the first amazing truth, that God is love. Verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. Think about it. What's at the center of the universe? What's the most basic, most foundational building block and reality of the universe? It's not the ground beneath our feet. It's not the sun that we rotate around. It's not the gravitational forces and other physical forces which keep our universe existing and functioning. It's not the atom or the quantum laws which cause all matter to exist and stay together. No, the most fundamental, foundational force and reality of the universe is love. Because God is love. Have we forgotten? 
that at the center of the universe is a being who is love. A being who we saw last week is Father, Son, and Spirit who exist together, who relate together in perfect relationships of love. God is love. God created the universe, you and me, as an expression of love. God sustains the world and our lives day by day out of love. God, for thousands of years, has worked with humanity, especially through the people of Israel and now through those who follow Jesus Christ. And God seeks to bring us all back to himself out of love. Along the way, God has at times judged and punished those who have ruined and wrecked the goodness of God's world. And God will continue to make sure that justice is done in the end because God loves what God has made. And God cannot bear to see what he loves, spoiled, hurt, and ruined. God is love. You could say that God's heart beats and throbs with love. And so John says, don't claim that you know God If you don't love, if you don't love, you don't know God because God is love. If you know who God is, if you know what God is like, then you will devote your life to the greatest task, to the most exalted purpose in the universe, which is to love. Because God, the one at the heart of the universe, is love. Second, God loves us and has expressed that love to us above all in Jesus Christ. As John puts it in verses 9 to 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. We, we wouldn't have known God's love. We wouldn't have known God loved us if God hadn't shown us and expressed his love to us. How, how could we know what is at the heart of the universe? How could we know what the mystery of heaven contains if God hadn't shown us? But God did show us. God revealed it. God made it plain, tangible. God spelled it out for all of us to see. Not only is God love, but God has chosen to love us. God has allowed us to experience and to enjoy and to receive God's love. How did God do it? God sent his one and only son into the world. For what purpose? Verse 9, to give us life through him. And how does the Son give us life? Verse 10. God loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So what's an atoning sacrifice? That's, we're finally running into a big religious phrase here. What's an atoning sacrifice? Well, let me tell you a story to explain. About 20 years ago, you might remember, the country of Iran at that time was hit by a giant devastating earthquake. And you can just imagine... Uh, that it caused shock and trauma and despair to those who experienced it, as people always do um, in the case of serious, major destructive earthquakes. One story, though, at that time gave people hope. As rescuers combed through the rubble of a collapsed building, they found a baby girl alive under the rubble, cradled in her dead mother's arms. 
And rescuers realized from the way that they found the two that the mother had shielded her six-year-old daughter from the falling debris and saved her daughter's life as the building was crumbling around them. Rescuers found the baby girl 37 hours after the earthquake hit. And as one of them put it, she is alive because of her mother's embrace. That's what atonement is. It's taking the destruction on your shelf to shield someone else. And it is what God, who is love, has done for us. Shielded us from destruction by his loving embrace so that we might live and not die. How did God do it? Through Jesus Christ. Again, as John says, verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is the Trinity whom we saw last week in action. The Father loving us so much that he gave us the most precious thing that he had, his only beloved son. And the son loving us so much that he gladly came and sheltered us, taking the destruction, taking the blow on himself so that he could protect us from it. That's atonement. That's love. Of course, it begs the question, what's the danger? What's the destruction that God saved us from? And the answer is that it's the just punishment that we deserved for the wrongs that we had done. Our sins, as John puts it. You see, God is just. God isn't a corrupt official who turns a blind eye while his cronies and his favorites go on doing wrong. God isn't a soft, doting father who just can't bring himself to set any boundaries or consequences for his little terrors that run amok. No, God is fully just, fully fair, fully wise. And so God meets out to all exactly what we deserve. But God is also love, so much so that God has taken what we deserve on himself so that we don't have to face the ultimate consequences. That's what love ultimately is. Love risks, love sacrifices for the ones it loves. Like that loving mother did in the falling debris of the earthquake for her infant daughter. I love the way one of my uh, professors once defined love. He said, love is being willing to disadvantage yourself in order to advantage the one you love. When you love, you disadvantage yourself in order to advantage the one you love. And that's what God has done for us. The British pastor and writer W.H. Vanstone wrote a book about God's love called Love's Endeavor, Love's Expense. And in it, he notes three qualities of true love, which I want to reflect on with you. Real love is limitless, it's precarious, and it's vulnerable. It's limitless because when you set out to love someone, you can't calculate ahead of time how much it's going to cost you. Love is not a transaction that you control. When each of our children were born, you can be sure Anne and I didn't sit down and say, now let's see, diaper changes. Maybe an average of six per day for two and a half years max, that's about 5,500 smelly, dirty diapers. And night wakings, let's say two per night for a year and a half, maybe a thousand occurrences of interrupted sleep. That's how much we're willing to love you. 
And if it goes much beyond that, baby, we may have to trade you in. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> and, and, and when I stood at the altar and I promised to have Anne as my lawfully wedded wife in sickness and in health, in, for richer or for poor, for better or for worse, I was pledging something limitless. I can assure you that I had little idea what it might involve in loving Anne, and nor did she in loving me. <laughs> love is limitless. Look how far God's love took him. All the way to death on a cross. Love is limitless. Love is also precarious. Again, it's not calculated. Love doesn't say, I'll scratch your back if I can be sure that you'll scratch mine. I'll give you this, but only if I get that in return. But if you don't come through on your end, I'm pulling out on my end. That's just the way it's going to be. That's not love. That's business. That's bargaining. Real love gives with no guarantee of what it will get in return. And you can't say, I'll love you with all my heart if, if only you always feel the same way about me and only if I don't get hurt by you. Sure, we, we try to do that, don't we? We would like to do that because if you really love someone, if you really love a, another person, um, sorry, I'm getting confused here. Um, in, in relationships, especially when we've fallen in love, because it's precarious, we, we would like to do that. But if... If you really love another person, that doesn't work. Because they do hurt you, right? And sometimes they don't love you back. And you can't be sure they will be faithful to you always. And you can't be sure they'll be and give you everything you hope they'll be and give you. When you love, you're putting yourself in a precarious position. And so related to that third, when you love, you're vulnerable. Real love is vulnerable. This is illustrated so well by one of Anne and my favorite romantic comedies, So I Married an Axe Murderer. <laughs> Mike Myers' character is falling in love with this really awesome woman, but he's afraid because of the vulnerability. I mean, what if she's not all she seems to be? What if she's really an axe murderer, right? Guys, a lot of us felt that way. Let's admit it. When we were getting serious in a relationship, we were pretty sure she might be an axe murderer. And women too. Because we don't like to be out of control. We don't like to be insecure. We don't like to be vulnerable. When we love, we give someone our heart and they can hurt us a lot. And so when God chose to love us, there's an extreme vulnerability in that. So don't just picture God up there mighty and, and all bright and shining, surrounded by angels on his heavenly throne, effortless, effortlessly reigning, unaffected by his creation. Picture God also dying and bleeding and suffering on a cross. Because love is vulnerable. And God is love. And that is the extent to which God's love for us took him. God loved us through Jesus Christ all the way to the cross. That's the second great truth that John reminds us of in this passage. The third then is that the wonder of God's love falls short if we do not love one another. 
John repeats this point again and again in our passage. Verse 7, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Wonder of wonders, God is love. The foundation and center and essence of the very universe is love. And wonder of wonders, God loves us. With all the limitlessness and precariousness and vulnerability that real love involves, all the way to death on a cross. And so, John concludes, the wonder of God's love falls woefully short if those God loves do not love one another. An airplane falls woefully short if it can't take off and fly. A carefully planned romantic evening complete with proposal speech and diamond ring falls woefully short if it doesn't end with a proposal. A $60 million multi-year blockbuster free agent signing falls woefully short if the superstar you get can't hit a baseball. A 101-story, $750 million luxury skyscraper hotel falls woefully short if it never opens but remains empty. Likewise, God's wondrous, incredible love falls woefully short if we, God's people, do not love one another. Again, let's remember what kind of love we're talking about here. Because the word love is so thrown around today, it means so many things. I only met her last weekend, but I think I'm in love. I love Krispy Kreme donuts. I love college basketball. I love Jesus. But what does John mean when he uses the word love? Well, verse 10 again. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Love disadvantages oneself to advantage the one we love. And true love, perfect love, does this no matter the cost, no matter the amount, all the way to the cross, unconditionally. That's the kind of love John is talking about here. Listen to what he has to say back in chapter 3, a previous chapter starting in verse 6. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then he makes it really practical down in verse 17 of chapter 3. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. To love is to disadvantage yourself in order to advantage the one you love. Let me ask you, do you, do I love this way? Do our bank accounts show the evidence of love? Does our time, do our calendars show who we love? Do we regularly, consistently disadvantage ourselves in order to advantage others? If we don't, then we don't love. 
a beautiful example of, of the kind of love John is talking about uh, was reported several years ago in the Washington Post. It was later picked up by Reader's Digest. Jermaine Williams, 26 years old, did something that amazes many people. He became a kidney donor, giving a, a vital organ to a woman he describes as just a friend. He met her, Michelle Stevens, age 23, when they began working together in Washington, D.C. at the Department of Employment Services. They used to have lunch with one another. They'd chit-chat during breaks. He was someone I could talk to, says Stevens, the young woman. One day I cried on his shoulder. I had been on the kidney donor waiting list for 11 months, and I had lost all hope. She told Washington how, how depressing it was to spend three days a week, three hours a day, on a kidney dialysis machine. She suffered chronic fatigue and blackouts and was plagued by joint pain. And he could already see that she had lost her smile. I saw my friend dying before my eyes, Washington recalls. What was I supposed to do, sit back and watch her die? Her mother, suffering from hypertension, was ineligible to donate a kidney. Her two brothers were reluctant. She says, I understood that they said they loved me very much, but they were just too afraid. The operation at Washington Hospital Center in April of 1991 began with a painful procedure in which the doctors inserted a catheter into an artery in Washington's groin and then injected dye through the catheter into his kidney before taking x-rays to determine if he was fit to transplant. He was, and a week later, an incision of nearly 15 inches long was made from his navel to the middle of his back, and after the surgery, he remained hospitalized for five days. Today, both Stevens and Washington are fully recovered. Washington says, I jog at least twice a week, and three times a month they get together for what they call a gratitude lunch. Despite occasional pressure from friends, a romantic relationship is not what they want. We're thankful for the beautiful relationship we have, Stevens says. We don't want to mess it up. We don't want to mess up a good thing. To this day, though, people wonder why Washington did it. And they even question his sanity. But when one admirer asked him, how he found the courage to give away one of his two kidneys, his answer quelled the skeptics. I prayed for it, he said. I asked God for guidance, and that's what I got. Jermaine Washington gives us an example of, of what love looks like. He, he disadvantaged himself to advantage someone else. Do you love like that? Maybe you haven't had an opportunity to love in such a dramatic way. Often the ways that, that we're called to love are, are, are much more uninspiring and mundane. They're lost sleep, they're uh, forgiving small slights, they're picking up dirty clothes off the floor. But do you have your own regular stories of self-sacrificial love? When, when I became a teenager, my mom started giving me a lot of marriage advice. And... <laughs> She loved to give little lectures. And one thing I remember that, that she liked to say to me was, there are two kinds of women in the world. There are givers and there are takers. Make sure you marry a giver. But am I a giver or a taker? Are, are you a giver or a taker? If you're not growing in the kind of love that, that John is talking about here, God's kind of love, then you don't really know God yet. John says. Verse 8, whoever does not love does not know God. You may be religious. You may attend church regularly. 
You may believe in Jesus. You may even call yourself a born-again Christian. But John says if you don't love, you don't really know God yet. How could you? Because, Because God is love. And God has revealed that love to us through Jesus Christ. And look again how how John puts it in verse 12 of our passage. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. Do you want to know God? Do you want to experience God? Do you want to see God? John tells us how. He says, no one has ever seen God. But plenty of people have experienced the next best thing. They have experienced God living in them. They have experienced God's love being made complete in them. Verse 7, they have been born of God and they know God. Do you want to know God? Do you want to be born of God? Do you want God to live in you? Do you want God's love to be made complete in you? Then love one another. Because when we love one another, God lives in us and God's love is made complete in us. The great British Bible teacher, Don Stott, put it this way. God's love for us is perfected only when it is reproduced in us, or as it may mean, among us in the Christian fellowship. Wonder of wonders, God is love. Wonder of wonders, God has expressed that love toward us in Jesus Christ. This love is the greatest wonder in the universe. But this wonder falls tragically short when we whom God has loved fail to love one another. And so may we be a community of people who who are transformed so that we really know God and we know God's love and, and we experience God living in us, making God's love complete in us and through us. May we be a church who love one another. So, as we close, let me ask you, who is God calling you to love today? Who is God calling you to love today? And how is God calling you to disadvantage yourself in order to advantage them? Will you do that? Will you do that? Because God is love. And God offers you that love through Jesus Christ. And so in God, in God's love, is every resource you need to love that person today. And in you, God's love will be made complete as you love that other person.